Yeah, outside of a, maybe a select couple of people, I haven't looked at anyone's Facebook profile in a long time. In a long time. And it, tonight, something, I guess I was on there, and then just... No, what it was is I was thinking about this kid that I grew up with who uh, last I heard a few years ago, he was working at a bar downtown. He was a bartender at this fancy... I mean, my hometown's gotten so fancy and expensive... And there's some sort of fancy bar called the Bottle and the Bowl. The Bottle and the Bowl. Which, from what I, I think I saw, that's a Hemingway reference, which doesn't make it any better. You see a lot of bars, and you know they're kind of high-end bar restaurants, and they're named things like that. There's another one that I saw that's named like the Walrus and the Carpenter. I'm not even making that up. I, I assume that's a reference to something. If that is somebody's original idea, it doesn't make it any better either. The walrus and the carp... Oh, we're going to the walrus and the carpenter. I hate shit like that. The bottle and the bowl. Like I said, even if it's a Hemingway reference. You know, it's just not redeemable. It has nothing to even do with Hemingway, who I don't think about. I don't think about Ernest Hemingway. You know, obviously, I've never read any of his books. I've heard his name all my life. Been hearing the name Ermist. Ermist. Been hearing the name Ermist Hemingway my entire life. I have. And because I never read it, I don't know what I'd even think about it. To me, it's just gray. It's just something I know exists. I don't have a reason to hate it. I have no reason to like it either. I guess, like, I think the reason why I might lean more toward hate is just my natural oppositional defiance, that thing inside of me that wants to hate the thing that other people like or that a certain type of people like. Because you hear Hemingway brought up as like, oh, you know, he's such a baddest. Oh, he went to other parts. I don't even know. I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you a Hemingway story, but it's always brought up in this way of like, oh, here's, it's like Chuck Norris stuff. It's like those stupid Chuck Norris jokes that were popular a few years ago. Like, when Chuck Norris sees a grizzly bear, the grizzly bear runs from Chuck Norris. I know it's, it's not even the right format. I wouldn't even be able to tell you what the format of those jokes are. But it's like, when Chuck, when Chuck Norris gets mugged, the mugger gives him his money. Stuff like that. They were popular for a little while, maybe like 10 or 15 years ago. Ernest Hemingway is almost brought up that way. Like, oh, Ernest Hemingway, like, drank so much uh, rum in the, the tropical island that he, like, fired his gun at his friend and the bullet bounced off the wall and, like, Ernest Hemingway caught it in his teeth. It's stupid. Me trying to improvise an Ernest Hemingway story. Like I said, I don't even know of specific stories. Like, it's just truly, it's, I, I wouldn't even say it's in one ear and out the other. It just doesn't even enter my ears. I hear the name er Ernest, Ernest, like, I, I'm not even trying to do that, Ernest, <laughs> I'm going to do that, like, anytime his name comes up, I'm going to find opportunities to talk about Ernest Hemingway, and I'm just going to act like what I'm saying is totally normal, Ernest, oh, Ernest, Ernest, <laughs> what that reminds me of is, in college, there was this girl who had a crush on me, I guess, yeah, she did. Cause she like asked me to hang out and like, 
I think we kissed at a party or something. And and I what it was is like like I, we ki- she kissed me at a party, at a party. And then I went to her house and I just slept in her bed. I was just one of the first times, maybe the first time I ever got blackout drunk as an adult. Like I got blackout drunk one time. I remember when I was a teenager, but I think it might've been the first time I got blackout drunk as an adult. And I just woke up in that girl's bed. We didn't do anything. But anyway, point being in, in class, I remember like she was trying to talk to me about movies and I've never been good about talking about movies. I've never been good at it, talking about them. But I was just like mentioning her some things I liked, and somehow Crispin Glover came up. And she was like, Crispin Clover. I said, Crispin Glover. I was trying to, you know, like like when you try to correct somebody in the nicest possible way. Or I don't even think I was trying to correct her at that point. I think I was actually just trying to figure out if... Are you actually talking about Crispin Glover, or is there somebody else named Crispin Clover? <laughs> Crispin Clover. <laughs> like I, I think I, initially I was just trying to figure out, like, are you talking about the same guy? And then she's like, "Yeah, Crispin Clover." And I was like, "Oh, his name, you know, I don't even think I, I don't even think I explicitly corrected her. I think I just tried to use his correct name in a sentence so that she would pick up on it." I think I was like, oh, yeah, you know, Crispin Glover. I don't even know what I would say. You know, I guess I liked um, <coughs> River's Edge and for that, for that, <coughs> for that, <coughs> I can't even talk. I'm choking. For that matter, Back to the Future. But I've never been, I don't know. I wouldn't even say I've seen all the Crispin Clover movies. And I've told that story on here just to spiral into a thousand tangents, death by a thousand tangents. Uh, you know, one of my best friends, her, one of her best friends was dating Crispin Glover and he took her to Prague where he had a, he owns a castle there or he did 10 years ago and he was gone. He was going to be gone filming a movie, one of his own movies. And so he had my friend fly out there to basically babysit his girlfriend and the truth was he had her locked up in this castle like a princess. Like she had been on drugs and had all kinds of issues. So he brought my friend out to just babysit her, take care of her. And uh, he wasn't there most of the time. He was there in and out a couple times. But uh, he basically had her locked up there. I mean, he he's a very disturbing man for sure. I know I've talked about that on here before. But anyway, Crispin Clover. Just when this girl was like, Crispin Clover, Crispin Clover. And I just tried to tactfully like figure out, do you mean Crispin Glover? Or are you talking about somebody else? And then when she kept saying it. But then the thing is, was she tried to correct me, which is weird. When I would say Crispin Glover, she would go, oh, you mean Crispin Clover. And I was like, am I being punked? You know, is, is this intentional? Is this like a higher level of humor? Like, because if that was her sense of humor, that'd be really amazing. I never hung out with that girl ever again. I fell asleep in her bed. Don't remember it. One of my, I woke up in the morning and because she lived like down the street, down a ways from the party. And I vaguely remember walking to her house. But what's strange is it was, it was a dry night, what they call a dry night. 
And I woke up the next morning and one of my shoes was like soaking completely wet as if I had stepped in a deep puddle. And I don't think there was any rain around. I don't think it was that, I don't remember what time of year it was. I think it was, it was like spring, but there was no rain. So it's like, I'm just like, I don't know how one of my shoes is just soaked, soaked. Anyway, um, I'm trying to remember what got me going on Crispin Clover. Some oh, oh it was Ermist. Traveled a ways from Ermist. Traveled a ways from what I was originally going to talk about as usual, but I'm just going to say to people now, like in the same way she was like insisting on saying Crispin Clover, I'm going to insist on Ermist. It's like the other day I was saying Jeffy Dahmer. Jeffy. Jeffy. I saw this amazing documentary about Jeffy Dahmer. That's one, though, where it's kind of subtle. You're just like, did I miss the R? Ermist is subtle, too. I like getting things subtly wrong and seeing what people do. I don't do that a lot, but I think I'm going to start doing it. Just get names and words subtly wrong. Like, I, uh, this kid I grew up with, my next-door neighbor, his mom said a lot of things wrong. Nice lady. I wouldn't call her stupid by any means, but she just, she got facts wrong. And that was the, one of the first adults that I remember realizing that about. I was over at their house one time and we had this neighbor who was a six foot 11 man. So we called him seven foot. If you're six eleven, we call you, we just say you're seven feet tall. <coughs> I don't know what got stuck in my throat. Um, but the, I remember like we were talking about that guy and I was like, oh, well, he's seven feet tall. She goes, no, he's not. I go, yeah, he's seven feet tall. And she goes, he's six foot five. And I knew this man was not six foot five. Like six foot five, you notice. If someone's six foot five, you're like, oh, they're tall. That's really tall. But if someone's six foot 11, it's freakishly tall. It's not just six foot five. There's no mistaking six foot eleven for six foot five. But this woman, my friend's mom, a really nice lady, really just genuinely nice. She wasn't the type of mom who's always talking down to you or being condescending. But in her mind, this guy was six foot five. He was not. He was six foot eleven. He was freakishly tall. He had dressed as a lurch for Halloween one year. Like, he was just known as the tall guy. When you're that tall, your entire identity is your height. Even if you have a very interesting, complex personality inside your head, all anybody's going to ever think about you is, oh, the tall guy. And that's what this guy was, freakishly tall. But she would pronounce words wrong, too. It wasn't just facts she got wrong. She would pronounce things the wrong way. Names. And so I'm going to become that person where I just say names wrong. I say words wrong. And it's a good test. You get to see like how important it is to people. Because the truth is it's completely unimportant. It's totally unimportant if she says, if, if I know she's talking about Crispin Glover and she knows I'm talking, I'm talking about Crispin Clover, it actually doesn't matter what his name is. It really has no bearing on the conversation. That could be, it could be the best conversation in the world, and it doesn't matter if we say his name differently. That one's weird, though, because it, the pronunciation is so different. 
It's not like Crispin Clover. Or Crispin Glover. Crispin Clover. The changing the C or the G to a C changes the entire way the word sounds. That's what makes that one weird. And that tells me too that like she's watching the credits and she, she's not seeing the G. Like she's she just sees that name and she goes, Oh, oh clover. Looks like clover, okay. Didn't think about it again. Like she just in her mind, the first time she saw his name, it was Clover. I mean, she's probably not had many conversations. It'd be amazing if she had a lot of conversations about him, and, and just still said Clover. Ernest Henningway. I don't like that as much. It's too obvious. Like I'm all about the subtle change. Like Ernest Henningway, changing the M to an N in Hemingway. Hemingway, that makes it too obvious you've you've swapped some things like Ernest Hemingway because it's harder to say that way. Too, it's very M heavy. We call that M heavy. Ernest Hemingway. I'm I'm gonna do it that way. Ernest Hemingway sounds like a stupid funny joke. Oh, I swapped the letters. <laughs> oh, I swapped the letters. It's too clever. Not that there's anything actually clever about it, but saying Ernest Hemingway, it's like you're 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 trying to be clever. And with uh, Ernest Hemingway, you just sound retarded, which is the whole point. Anyway, Ernest, I just don't think about him one way or another. It's not in one year out the other. It's just, uh, it might as well just be a lead balloon. Just falls, you know. I think that's what a lead balloon does. Uh, so I don't think about it. So anyway, this bar in my hometown, it's called the bar, the, it's called the, what's it called? The bottle and the bowl. There's another one called the walrus and the carpenter, but the bottle and the bowl, it's, I guess it's Hemingway theme. That's what I allege. It's alleged. I don't know if the bottle and the bowl is an actual Hemingway quote or reference somehow. I don't know if people who are in the know about Ermist. I don't know if they hear that and they're like, oh, I get it. I know what that means. Oh, I know. I know. I don't know if they feel that way when they hear it. But I know that I don't know shit about Ernest beyond the, the fact that he has this sort of Chuck Norris joke reputation for pseudo-intellectuals. For you're either old or you're a pseudo-intellectual. If you th- if you think that like Ernest Ernest Hemingway is some sort of Chuck Norris joke figure, I probably won't have anything in common. You're, you're probably still impressed by like beard jokes too. Fear the beard bullshit. And that's all those. Anytime you name a bar that like the bottle and the bowl, the walrus and the gentleman, it's the place where out of touch normal people go and they're like oh the bartender he has a curly mustache oh, he's got a big long beard you ever seen that oh dude the bartender he wears a bow tie and and overalls and he's got a big curly mustache and a long beard oh dude the, the guy with the the mustache you know the beard you know it's like people who are impressed by that you know it, you know it, it's just it's just one of those places it's not even like craft brewery stuff, because I mean that's adjacent to what I'm talking about—the whole craft brewery thing, which I don't even know if that's still going on. 
I don't know if there's still a ton of craft breweries and people are impressed by them or anything like that. It's been years since I've thought about that. But these places are kind of adjacent to that. But they usually have kind of an old-timey theme. Oh, the bartender, he's, he's, he's got an old-timey mustache. Oh, this place is unique. I'm just being hateful, but this is, necess this, this is necessary hate. If I didn't hate this, I, I would stand for nothing. I would be nothing. See, I remember hearing that this kid worked there, this kid that I grew up with. I wasn't really a friend with him. I think we went to a few birthday parties. Went to a New Year. I went to the Millennium Party at his house, actually. His family threw a party, a New Year's party, to celebrate the millennium. It wasn't over the top. It was just a gathering, a small gathering of few families, a bunch of kids. But it was the millennium. And I remember this mom who was there, she got a little drunk, and she was like, I think that some of the kids here, with the way lifespans are going, some of the kids here could live long enough to see the next millennium. And what she meant is the next century. Like she meant, oh, maybe, maybe with the way uh, lifespans are going, one of these kids will live to the year uh, 2100, which would mean that we'd be like 115. But yeah, you know, I mean, that was kind of the, the narrative at the time is, that, oh, we're going to be living till we're 150 soon. With the, with the way science and medicine is going, with the way science and medicine is going, we're going to be living until uh, 125. Meanwhile, from what I understand, lifespan's decreasing again. We had these lofty expectations. We're like, oh, everyone's going to be living until the... Oh, these kids born in 1985, they're going to live till they're 115. Which is weird, because it's always seen as such a good thing. Oh, it's such a good thing. That instead of dying at 80, you're going to die at 115. Oh, we, we've really made it. We're almost immortal now. We've almost fought off death this time. You know, we're, we're, medicine's going to make us live another 15, 20 miserable years. You know, that, that's kind of the idea. I mean, it's a nice thought because, you know, being alive is great and all. But it's just, it's one of those uh, human narcissist things. You know, just a human, it, it's a human narcissism where it's just like, gotta live longer. Oh, it's such a good thing that we no longer die at 35. Oh, the, the average, the average age that someone died in the Middle Ages was 35. We've come a long way. You know, it kind of all fits into that way of thinking. That's sort of like human narcissism. They're like humans living longer and longer and longer is amazing. I mean, it's great that we can stop tragedy and death more. It's, it's great that medicine can prevent certain things. You know, that's wonderful and all. But it is funny, the idea that, like, it, it's such a feat that, oh, we can, we're going to live even longer. So that, that's kind of like what was on her mind. The wine was hitting her, I know. But her, her saying, uh, you know, what with lifespans being what they are, uh, one of the people here is going to live to 115. Meanwhile, it's dropping. Meanwhile, you're lucky if your children's grandchildren live to see the year 2100. No, but uh, someone corrected her at the party. 
Someone pulled the old Crispin Clover on her, and they were like, don't you mean century, not millennium? Because if one of the kids here lived to see the next millennium, they'd be a, a thousand and fifteen years. Like someone dropped facts on this lady. She was just being glib. You know, Tom Cruise's word, you're being glib. Matt, you're glib. Tom Cruise owns that word, and he deserves to own it. Ever since Tom Cruise called Matt Lauer glib, I had never heard that word before. I'm sure I heard it, but I'd never thought about it. Ever since then, I use it all the time. My friends and I use it. I use it with, I have a couple friends, like my buddies, Miles and Nick and people over the years, like we'll just, oh, he was being glib. Whenever someone says something stupidly that they shouldn't, but it's just like, it's like the, uh, too much, too much oxygen is hitting their brain at once. It's the sort of stuff you do when you're on drugs or drunk. Like when you're on cocaine, you're glib. When you're drunk, you're glib. When you're glib, you're glib. When you're on glib. It's going to be the name of a drug. I'm going to invent a new drug called glib. Oh, he's on glib. But this woman at the millennium party, this mom, she's just being glib. Just being glib. She was just like she was trying to think outside the box or something, you know. She was she was trying to like say something interesting that would make us all think, which I appreciate. I really appreciate that she said that. I never forgot it. I bet nobody else there remembers it. But I remember the strangest things. I really I remember the strangest things. I, I probably I forgot everything else that was said that night. I only remember that. One of the kids here could live to see the next millennium. I like that more than Sentry. I like her really going out there. It'd be amazing if she meant that. When the other mom was like, oh, don't you mean Sentry and not millennium? Because uh, there's no way these kids are living a thousand years. You know, when that mom tried to drop facts, she did, she did drop facts. But it'd be nice if the first mom doubled down and was like, no, no, I mean millennium. One of these kids is going to live to be a thousand and fifteen. In the year 2100, or uh, yeah, in the year 2100, I'm still alive doing this. It was me. The kid she was talking about was me. I'm going to be 1,015. I'm going to be sitting here talking into whatever devices exist then. Talking into the portal that we all have. Like sticking my head in the portal. And I'm just going to be like, she was right. So I went to the, the, all that, the Millennium Party took place at this kid's house who I had heard was bartending at the Bottle and the Bull. If he ever heard this, he'd know exactly that I'm talking about him. I'm talking about him exactly. That said, though, he was never a friend of mine. Outside of a few get-togethers, like one time he came to my house, what, um, what people, uh, you know, just, you know, parents bring a kid over. There's a lot of testing kids out. A lot of what parents do is they test kids out. Let's, let's bring him over to Eric's house and see what happens. Let's see if they get along. See if they want to do it again. A lot of it's a failure. You don't necessarily have a bad time, but you do have this feeling of like, why is this kid at my house? Why am I at this kid's house? 
I don't really want to go back here. That's kind of how this kid was. Like, I never had a good time at his house. I don't know if he had a good time at my house, but it didn't happen much. I think, like, our moms got along. They were friendly. Like, they were always around, which is it's kind of incredible, too. You know, the idea that, like, oh, we're all kind of part of the same social circle. But, yeah, we took Eric over to his house, and, you know, it, it was fine. It was okay. But we're not going to do it again. Parents just, and there was no problem between me and this kid. It wasn't like I came back and I was like, I hated it and I hated him. I hated it and I hated him. It wasn't like there was any issue. We fought or anything. It was just kind of understood like, oh yeah, you know, Eric doesn't really need to go over to his house. Like we don't, they don't really need to be friends. Parents kind of figuring that out on their own. They don't, they don't really need to be friends. But this kid was always around and like, he, he became kind of like a weird inside joke. Not even anything in particular, like nothing... We weren't even making a mockery about any specific thing about him. He just became kind of a punchline to me and some other friends who went through the same thing with him, interestingly. Pretty much every kid that I was friends with up to a certain age, we had all kind of hung out with that kid. But he found his own kids that he hung out with, and we all hung out with each other. But I, I was on Facebook for whatever reason, and I, and I was... Like, I want to see if, does he still work there? Does he still live there? Because I guess it's interesting to me, like, the idea of this particular kid. Because the kind of kid he was is, like, he was into, like, skateboarding. I think he played guitar. He was kind of artistic, but not really. He was very much like what people would call a normie. But he was, like, just something enough to have a few interests. And there's probably probably a lot more going on in his, in his brain than I know, because I wasn't ever really friends with him but i was just kind of like so he's just like bartending at this ermist hemingway bar is he still doing that i just had that thought tonight but then that of course like led me on the the spiral that people would go on like over a decade ago where they just like click through a million people's facebook profiles and look at everything i remember doing that back like you know over 10 years ago, like when Facebook was still fresh and you were suddenly connected to all these people, just going down this spiral late at night where you click on one person's profile and then you see this person's. I remember doing that with people I didn't even know, but especially doing it with like people I grew up with. But looking back, like there, there were a few people back then, like in 2007 when I probably started my Facebook account through the early 2010s, the most significant thing would just be like, oh, she has a kid. Oh, he has a kid. But you didn't see a lot of that. We were still pretty young. Like we were under 25 or something. And so you didn't really like, you, you didn't really pay attention to anything except like, oh, he graduated college. Oh, he's got a kid now. Whoa, she's got a kid. Oh, she's got three kids. That girl has three kids already. That was about the most of what you thought. Things have reached a different point, though, where if someone's still on there and you haven't looked at it, like it's been years since I've looked at people I went to school with on there. And now they're really showing their age. And I mean, so am I. I'm getting older. But it's strange to see people and like you really, you're starting to see the wrinkles. You know, you're starting to see the 37 years, not even in a bad way, not even like these people look like shit or anything. Just like they're starting to look 
Because like when I saw pictures of these people in their 20s, it's like, yeah, they look a little older, but not much different. But now I'm actually seeing these people, especially since there's been a gap, since I haven't looked at any of these people. And I only looked at like five people, if that. But I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to like see the age, see the, the differences, like seeing that they're married with a family is totally normal now. It's not like it was fresh out of college when it's like, oh, she has three kids. It's like now it's just like, oh, yeah, he has three kids. She has three kids. That's just how it is. That's what happens. Good for them. Good for you. Good for you. Um, but I guess what I wanted to talk about was because I was looking at that kid's profile, I ended up coming across this other kid who he was friends with. And this kid was even further removed from me. I would just call him a BMX kid. That was a real type of kid. They did other things, like a BMX snowboard kid. Because all my friends who skateboarded, which is most of them, they snowboarded and things like that. But that was kind of a thing unto itself. Like if you skateboarded and snowboarded, you were a different type of snowboarder. But if you were a BMX kid that was a diff and you snowboarded, that was a, a different genre, like a different subgenre. And I never had anything to do, like if a kid wore like a, a fox racing outfit, like if a kid wore like a fox racing shirt, I was just never friends with anybody like that. Not out of judgment, not because I chose it. I would just never really cross paths. I just wouldn't have anything in common. Even though I have these friends who do similar things, for whatever reason, if you're into fox racing and BMXing and all that, we just wouldn't really cross paths. Our, you know, our stars wouldn't align and so i was looking at this kid and he he i had like a a t-ball team with him when i still played t-ball which for those unfamiliar it's like when you're really young you play baseball but you hit from a t because kids are too stupid and, and uncoordinated to hit a ball that's thrown at them they just put it on top of this what they call a t just this black pole Black pole. <laughs> and uh, you just hit it off that. And so I was on a t-ball team with this kid. And I would always nod to him. He's the kind of kid you would see around. Very skinny. He, he was very tall and thin. And he always looked very sickly. He wasn't six foot eleven. He wasn't six foot five. He was like a tall kid though. And then later in high school, he started selling weed. So there were a few times where we bought weed from him. He was never our regular dealer, but it was just like, oh, he sells weed now? That kid, and he would get in trouble. He wasn't a bad kid, but in his group of friends, he was the he stole, he shoplifted. One time he got in trouble for graffiti. But some years back, like I just started getting friend requests from like all kinds of kids that I went to school with. They just, it's like, if you grew up, if you drank from the same water supply, you just needed to be connected forever, I guess that's how that works. But this kid, I, I, he, I guess like, he went from selling weed, to, he must have gotten into hard drugs, some serious stuff, no doubt pills, like, Oxycontin was the big thing, some of those kids moved on to heroin, but Oxys were the big thing, so I assume it was something like that, I can't imagine he was just doing tons of coke. He was probably doing a little of everything, but I'm sure it was his big problem was probably oxys, probably uh, opi opiates. And so he got sober some years back, and now all he does is talk about God, which is interesting. He just 
I was looking at his Facebook profile tonight and it's just, he was reborn and all he does is talk about how basically he's on a mission from God since he got sober and good for him. He seems, seems like he's doing well, but he's part of some group and it's more than just a recovery group. It's this very tight knit faith-based recovery group. And I was looking at his profile and you can still see when like someone posts on their wall. And I saw like somebody posted like, missed you at group tonight. Some, some woman was like, I missed you at group tonight. And I was like, oh, there's probably a guilt thing. Like it looks like he's still sober and everything. But I was thinking, oh, they do that. Like if you don't go to your sober meeting one week because you're busy, someone posts on your Facebook wall and is like, missed you tonight. It's very codependent. And if it works for you, okay. Okay. But that codependence is very a very strange part of recovery. I've known a number of people. I've known people who joined AA and they developed these very codependent relationships with people. And again, you know, if that's what you need to get sober, I'm not going to judge you, but I just see this codependence and it makes my skin crawl. The idea of somebody saying like, I missed you at group tonight, because there's an implication there. It's not just like, oh, I really enjoy your company when we're at group, at group. I really enjoy your company when we're, when you're at group. But if that were the case, you would never say that. You'd just be like, you just wouldn't think anything of it. You'd just be like, oh, he was gone this week. But you can see this weird social pressure that exists in recovery groups where they're like, I missed you. I missed you at group tonight. Because it's like saying like, you better, you better stick to the plan. You better stick to the plan, mister. You know, it's like, there's this pressure to that. But I was looking at that kid, and then that led me to what I originally wanted to talk about when I hit record, which is, somebody posted a class picture from kindergarten at my elementary school of that kid, this kid that I'm talking about, not the bottle and the bowl kid. I had kindergarten with that kid. This is his friend. All of this talk so far, Ermist, Crispin Clover, this kid, Millennium Party, all everything I've talked about, it was just the buildup to this. Which is the that kid, the Millennium Party kid, the, the bartender at the Bottle and the Bull, his friend, who's now sober and just on a manic mission from God, just, just writes paragraphs about God now, which is amazing. Someone posted a, 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 his kindergarten class picture, his kindergarten class picture, and uh, it was like an alternate reality because it was my age from my elementary school, but a different class. And the way the kindergarten classes were structured was you had a morning kindergarten and an afternoon kindergarten. And I was afternoon ki kindergarten, you know, which hell yeah, hell yeah for the afternoon session, you know, because they figure like if you're that age, you can only make it through half a day. Batty, don't bite at me. He's under a blanket just biting toward me from under the blanket. He thinks I'm bothering him, but I'm busy. I'm busy doing something else, man. He, th he thinks I'm bugging him because he can't see me. 
He just feels my movement, so he thinks that I'm bothering him. But anyway, this kindergarten class, the way it was structured is um, they had morning kindergarten and afternoon kindergarten, and I was in the afternoon class, and it was different teachers. And I don't know, something felt right. Like, you know, I, I don't like doing things. Like now that would be a nightmare for me because I hate having appointments in the afternoon. I would hate to work a, a work work or school schedule where I have to go in in the afternoon because I don't like having too much time before I have to do something. Like I always make appointments for the morning, even if it's earlier than I'd like. I would, I always want it done as soon as possible. I don't want to wake up and have five hours until I have to go to an appointment. I don't want to wake up and have five hours before I go to school or work. I'm someone who needs time after things. I need, I need my downtime, even things like working out. I'm not someone who would be able to work out before work. I'd almost like to try it sometimes just to see how it feels because a lot of people do that. But I would much rather just have all of my time at the end of the day and not have to think. The only thing on my mind is I have to go to bed at some point. And so, you know, that said, I think afternoon kindergarten ruled. At that age, it doesn't matter. At that age, it doesn't matter that you wake up and have like three hours until you have to go to kindergarten. Afternoon kindergarten felt cool. It felt like I was cool because I went in in the afternoon. Morning kindergarten was for uh, squares. Squares. I was all the squares had morning kindergarten. But my memory of kindergarten, like I, I every time I think about kindergarten, I'm still very aware of the fact that I was in the afternoon class and there were other kids who went to the morning class and they had their own teacher who was different and we'd see signs of them. We'd see, cause they had the, it was like, a, it was two classrooms with like an open doorway in the middle. And so we were on one side and the morning kids were on the other. And we'd sometimes go over there and we'd see like signs of them. One of the things we they did is they had this little calendar on the wall of each classroom and the teacher would take a marker and like color off whatever day it was. So the idea was that like at the end of the year, the whole calendar will be filled in. Like it was just a red marker and she would just color in the day. And so it was almost like this graph that got filled in progressively as each day you fill one out. And there was one time where we were over like playing in the other kindergarten class when it was empty, which was kind of surreal where there's just this empty classroom that we can go wander into and play in. And I was with a group of boys and I was like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we colored in all of their, all the calendar days? Basically ruined it. It's the first kind of mean-spirited, unnecessary thing that I ever remember doing. I'm sure I was mean to other kids and they were mean to me. But the first thing I really remember doing, the first really destructive thing I remember doing was this, is taking that red marker in the other classroom and just coloring in all of the days in the future. I ruined their calendar. I made it so like, because each day was like this ritual where you'd start the day and the teacher would be like, and today is May 21st. And so we're going to color it in. 
and it would just join all of the previous days that it had already been colored in. So what I did is I took the red marker in the other classroom and I just colored all the future days in. I ruined that little ritual. I ruined that ritual teaching kids about time and days and months and tracking time and days and months. I ruined it. And I remember doing it myself. Like there are many other things that happened when I was a kid that were kind of mean or destructive, but I was just kind of a bystander who was just kind of laughing along with it. I remember being the culprit. And the other boys were kind of distracted doing something else. And I was like, yeah, we're doing this. Yeah, we are doing this, guys. Like thinking I was doing it with them when in reality it was my hand holding the pen and it was my idea and I did the whole thing. But in my mind it was like, we're doing this. It's us. So I did that. But anyway, like in my mind, like looking back at kindergarten, I'm like, there was just the one class. Aside from the afternoon class, there was just the morning class. But seeing this picture on Facebook today, this kindergarten class picture, I remembered that there were actually three kindergarten classes. There were two morning classes and just one afternoon. So there was a whole other teacher I completely forgot about because the teacher's names were... Um, Mrs. Lunsford was my teacher. I'm I'm kind of vague on the one. I want to say, I don't think it was Halfordy. There was there was a Mrs. Halfordy, but I think that this was something else. I can't remember what her name was. But then there was this third teacher that I just completely blocked out of my memory because I was looking at this class picture, this kindergarten picture, and I was like, "What teacher is that? I don't even recognize her." Mrs. Coughlin. It's like unlocking a character from a game. It's like this hidden, it was a cult. Mrs. Coughlin. And I'm like, there was another class. And I saw all of these kids I knew in the class, and then I saw a few that I, I didn't know. And I thought, oh, those are the kids that didn't, those kids didn't keep going to the school. Those three other kids, those two girls who I don't recognize, that boy up in the corner, they moved. And my class had those too. But they seem really familiar to me. Like I still remember those kids. There was a kid named Josh. I only ever went to kindergarten with him. He moved and he went somewhere else. There was a kid named David. I, I still vividly remember them. Even little things they said and things about their personality. Because those are formative years. This is some of your first like steady communication with strangers. You know, up until kindergarten, you know, even if you went to preschool, you probably really haven't spent much time around strangers, I guess, unless you went to daycare. But these kids were strangers to me, and all of a sudden I knew them. All of a sudden they were part of my daily life. But guys like Scott and David, these kids who were just there for a year and then gone from my life forever. And actually, that's not completely true. Josh, years later, like five years later, my sister was dating this guy and one of his friends would come over and just hang out with me and babysit me. He was like the real life Billy Madison. He was like this giant baby. 
He was like 16 or something. But he was just like this giant, like, teenage baby. Like, he might as well have been my age. Like, the reason why he hung out with an eight-year-old all the time is because he was, you know, emotionally eight years old. But I found out the kid Josh was his his cousin. And it was like some weird... It was like, that you, you're related to that kid? That kid who was just there for a second and then gone? That kid has relatives? That kid's connected to people? He was just a character passing through my kindergarten class who disappeared forever and you're related to him? I really remember people. That's something I've realized about myself is like, even if I don't talk to somebody or maintain any ties to them, they really like have a lot of value to me as characters and as as people really like they I'm just like I'll remember that kid forever. And not in a good way or a bad way, it's just like I guess what the word I'm looking for is importance. Like I put a lot of importance on these people even if they're just fleeting. People I worked with, people I went to school with, I'm just like even if I never talked to this person again and they were totally insignificant, I'm just like, yeah, I'll remember them. Josh, though, I found out he was a cousin of this other guy that I knew. But seeing this class picture, Mrs. Coughlin's class, I was like, oh, yeah, those these other kids that I knew who had Mrs. Coughlin, which I didn't know. I, I forgot there were three classes. My mind is blown. Seeing these kids, though, what's so insane is I recognized a couple of their names. I never knew them. But I remember like friends of mine who had been in Miss Coughlin's class talking about these kids. Because what I just said about like putting this importance on random people who are just in your life for a second, everybody does that. And so these kids like years later would continue to reference some kid who was in their kindergarten class who moved away. And here I am seeing a picture of them and it has their names listed below and I remember their names. That's insane. But your circle's really small. Like these 90 kids, if that, who went to your school, who were in your grade, they were your true peers at that time. And there was nobody else. If a kid went to another school, no. You know, you, you never thought about them. They might as well have been on, on another planet. And they did seem like aliens. Even kids who went to the neighboring elementary school, like the, the next closest elementary school, they might as well have been aliens to you. But kids who were in your grade but not in your class at that age, you hear their names and you're like, oh, that's my peer group. These are people, these are people in my life somehow, even if I don't know them. But it was almost like finding out, like, here's how weird my brain is, because seeing this picture of Mrs. Coughlin's class, memories flooding back to me that there was a third class that I've totally forgot about. There was another teacher that I totally forgot about. And seeing that, it was almost like finding out, like, they made an action figure of some character and it was really rare. Like what it reminds me of is like the movie Dick Tracy. I, I was obsessed with the movie Dick Tracy. The one with uh, Warren Beatty and Al Pacino. Al Pacino. 
just obsessed with it. And they made some action figures for it, and I had them. But they made an action figure of the blank, which was the sort of hitman who has no face. And at the end of the movie, you find out it was Madonna, the girl, wearing a mask the entire time. But you'd buy the Dick Tracy toys, and oddly, I remember buying one of them at the hardware store, which was called Ernst. Kind of like Ernest. Ernst Hemingway. That's another good one. Ernst Hemingway. And uh, they sold toys there, though, just a few. And they had Dick Tracy toys, and I bought one. But on the back of the, the blister pack, as they call it, it showed all the toys in the line. It showed every toy, they, every Dick Tr- Tracy toy they make. And they showed a blank toy. And I remember being like, I've never seen that toy. I've never seen the blank action figure in stores. And so it became almost mythical. And years later, I remember talking to my friend Nick about it. And he's like, you ever think about how there was a blank toy, but you never saw it? And I was like, yeah, yeah I do think about that. I'm, I'm well aware of that. And that's not the only toy line. There were other toy lines and different things. There were just different things where... It's like they say this exists, but I've never seen it. And then what I, what made me think of that, though, is like sometimes, too, like you would find out, oh, they made a toy of that, but I didn't know. And then you see it at some point, and, you're, and your mind is kind of blown. Like there's a whole world that you didn't know existed. And that's kind of how I felt seeing this picture of Mrs. Coughlin's class today, where I was like, I forgot that, that, I forgot that Mrs. Coughlin existed. And these kids who who were in her class who I don't know. I thought I remembered all the kids from kindergarten. Even the other classes, because I'm insane like that. I somehow knew who everybody was, even if they weren't in my class. But these kids I didn't know. They're like rare action figures. They're like unlockable characters from a game, a video a video game. And uh, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I I think that this is um, probably an example of uh, this, this, this is an example of how far gone my brain is. But the thing is, I've always thought about things like this. I've always been this way. I was born this way. And just that, like, I see these people and I'm just like, wow, who are these people? Who was this kid in the kindergarten class that... I forgot existed. Like the forgotten kindergarten class. That's what this was. It was the forgotten kindergarten class. You know, it, it's just like some artifact hidden away in my memory that was unlocked. The forgotten kindergarten class. Mrs. Coglin's forgotten kindergarten class. Which is going to be the name of my children's book. I'm going to write fan fiction. Nothing perverse, but I'm going to write fan fiction about what went on in that kindergarten class. Maybe it was their calendar I ruined. In my mind, I ruined the other class's calendar chart. That you, you color off the days every day, and at the end of the year, it's like some exciting thing that we colored off all the days. We marked off all the days of the calendar. We made it. Maybe it was theirs that I ruined. 
Maybe I ruined the calendar that belonged to the forgotten kindergarten class, and in my mind, I assumed it was the other one. But either way, I was in afternoon kindergarten, and that's what we do. We, um, we bully the squares. We destroy... I mean, what I did was kind of like fucking with them, you know, excuse my language, but I was fucking with their sense of time. You know, I ruined the plan, but when I ruined their calendar, like that, they were teaching kids about months, days, and time, and I just, it's perfect that I threw a wrench in that, because I don't think they fixed it. I don't think they printed off another calendar. I just ruined it and that was it. All of those kids who had that class are wandering around disoriented and screwed up in the head. They don't know what day of the week it is. They don't know what month it is because I ruined their calendar. The forgotten kindergarten class. And you know, I'm very proud of my memory. I have a good memory. I have the best memory. And... It's very rare that I, if I forget something, everybody forgot it. Every once in a while, someone will remind me of something that I had forgotten. And I thank them for it because it's exciting. Because my mind is so burdened by every single tiny memory. And I remember every single thing, too many things. When I do forget something, I enjoy the feeling. It feels really good when I'm reminded of something. But just totally forgetting there was this other kindergarten class 32 years ago. This photo was from 32 years ago. But it kind of excites my imagination. I'm like, what other things have I forgotten? What other weird little artifacts from the past have I forgotten? I look forward to finding out more. Maybe there were other forgotten, I don't, not, probably no other forgotten kindergarten classes. But I think there's some other forgotten things, and I'm excited to be reminded of them. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free.